Hi, this is Tyler Schnudy, and you're listening to On Your Way Out, a podcast of Providence Church. On this platform, we're having conversations with members of our community and beyond about making more and better disciples of Jesus and what it means for us as we leave the walls of the church building and enter the world. So welcome into the Provcast. All right, welcome everyone into the podcast. It's so good to be back. Um, I'm here with a couple of awesome guests, and we're just going to be talking about just some really cool stories and just the ways that God has been moving in some different ways. Um, If you were with us this past Sunday, you probably will recognize Terry Caldwell, who is a part of the Doors of Hope ministry that we heard from. And also with me is a member of our own church, Rebecca Meyer. So it's just so good to be with you guys. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, For those that don't know the two of you, Terry, that will probably be more people, but I thought it'd be great just for you guys to introduce yourselves a little bit. What are some things that we can know about you? Um, Just anything that you would like to share? Sure. So I'm Terry Caldwell, and I'm the director of Doors of Hope. Um, Aside from that, I am a mom of two children grown. Um, I have a daughter who lives here in Holland now with three little grandbabies that are the delight of my life. And I have a son who went home to be with Jesus um, Mm -hmm. almost four years ago. So that's been a a sorrow that our family carries. We we miss him every day. Mm. Um, But yeah, so prior to coming to Doors of Hope, um, so I've been there five and a half years now. I worked as an associate pastor at a local church here for about 10 years. And so um, I love the way that Doors of Hope and the local church work together and come alongside each other and complement each other Mm -hmm. in such a cool way. And as I'm sure as we go on today, I'll have more opportunities to share about that. But I love the team that I have at Doors of Hope. Um, It's an amazing group of women that we come together and there's such a unity and even though our work can be heavy at times um, we laugh a lot Mm -hmm. and I think that helps keep us on the even keel Um, so it's just a joy and a pleasure to be able to do this and um, be a part of bringing the kingdom to Holland and Zealand. Awesome. Um, My name is Rebecca. Um, My husband Joel and I have been members here at Providence for Probably 21 years. It's been a long time. Um, I we have four children. Um, the oldest is going to college this fall, so transitions. So yes, that makes me sad. <laughs> I know um, transitions are happening. Um, one starting high school, one starting middle school, one starting college. So we're kind of hitting all three this year at the same time. Um, but I started volunteering at Doors of Hope. Um, after our youngest was in school for full time a couple years, and I thought, I really have time on my hands, and I should do something more than just binge watch Netflix. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, City on a Hill in Zealand, um, I knew that it was a ministry based building, and that's all I knew. Mm. So, I went on the website and I found Atlas, it was called Atlas at the time, um, and I knew about that ministry from back home in Minnesota. So, I emailed and I said, Do you ever need volunteers? And the director then had me come in and within an hour I was volunteering fast forward six months I became employed um so that's how long ago now well it'll be four years this fall when I became employed and I started out um answering phones and doing data entry um making copies cleaning up files anything Um, that could help the life skills coaches make their job easier But I have a social work background, and I really loved when I got to talk with people on the phone and hear their story and ask Mm. them questions and maybe connect them. That's what really jazzed me up. So finally, I don't know if I asked Terry, I said, could I maybe ever just do an intake? I don't want to have clients just just (laughs) help out with intakes, just baby steps. And she's like, I think we can do that. Life skills coach now for a few years awesome. amazing life skills where i'm supposed to be That's so, so good it was definitely the lord directed because who knew volunteering yeah. would turn into this that's so good maybe for those that um are maybe familiar with the name atlas more than doors of hope because that was a, a change recently um could you maybe just give us a context of like how doors of hope came to be um just kind of the story what's kind of the overall mission of doors of hope and why did it change from atlas um just give us a little bit of context of kind of the past and where we sure, are now. sure so it started out as atlas when city on a hill opened up 15 years ago they realized pretty quickly that they needed to kind of have a front door ministry 
like Rebecca, people knew that good stuff happened there, but they didn't know what or who to come to. And so um, Atlas was a ministry at that time that I think started in Iowa, and it stood for Attaining Truth, Love, and Self-Control. Um, I had to work there for a few years before I could memorize that, actually. <laughs> I still didn't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Atlas has been around for 13 years. And, um, again, it's a, we call ourselves a mentoring ministry, but really it's that wanting to come alongside people in whatever struggle they find themselves in life. And so, you know, we've got people that have come in in the middle of, like a domestic violence kind of deal or divorce or, you know, coming out of recovery. A lot of times it's a financial thing that brings people in the front door. Like Mm -hmm. we can't pay our rent. We're going to be evicted. Um, Our lights are going to be shut off tomorrow. Can you help us? That kind of thing. And what we find as we really sit down with people and hear their stories is that the financial piece usually is not like the real story. Mm. It is, um, the root, the fruit of some kind of root down, down below. And we work with a lot of families who have, um, just been brought up in generational poverty. Mm -hmm. And so things that would make such common sense to you and I, um, you take somebody who has been brought up in a very different system than you and I, and their, their thoughts, their rules are very different than ours. And Mm -hmm. so we love when we get the opportunity to have relationships with people over time because first you got to build that trust right people don't just trust you automatically and then as we prove ourselves trustworthy we tend to get more of the story and more comes out Mm -hmm. and then as our clients realize that you know we are for you we are on your side we want to be that one who's in your corner cheering you on and not this is the plan that we have for your life how do you get there but what are your goals? What are your dreams? What do you want to see happen in your life? And how can we work together to remove those barriers so that you can move forward? Um, And it's really neat to see God moving in Mm -hmm. people's lives in those ways. Yeah. I'm curious to know, uh, you talk about something like generational poverty and like the reality that exists, even in this area, I think for myself and depending on where someone else may live and, and the people they interact with, we, we really don't see that on a day-to-day basis all the time. I'm curious, like being involved with George Hope that specifically is working with that kind of people, has your perspective changed at all? And what can you tell us about the reality of that existing, you know, in Holland and Zealand and this area? Cause we may or may not really have an awareness of how that exists, you know? Um, I would say, I probably had very little knowledge about generational poverty and I am definitely learning a lot every day that Mm. I'm at work. Um, But a couple of the big things that have stuck out to me is, well, I know that there's different hidden rules if you're in generational poverty or in middle class or you're in the upper class. And it's amazing that I wouldn't know how to function in the, in the generational poverty. I don't know those rules. I don't know how to do that. Mm. I also don't know how to do the upper class. Mm. Like I know middle-class rules and I know how to do it. They know how to do their rules. And so for them to function or to, to know, you know, to, to function in a society where you have to know those middle-class rules and you don't know them, mm-hmm. that's a barrier. Yeah. And so let's just take employment. For example, I was trained very young to work hard and, if you don't work, you don't have money, and then you can't pay your bills. You don't ever quit a job unless you have another one lined up. Do you have enough money? Do you have savings? All these things. A majority of the people I work with have no concept of that. Right. And that's not right or wrong. That's just they were never taught that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a trait of generational poverty. It's more immediate. It's more right now in the moment. It's not long-term planning mm-hmm. as much. Um, so that is something I've learned about people who live in generational poverty and how it's different from what I've been raised on. Um, But I'm learning so that I can be super sensitive and not be condescending in how I work with people. Um, Yeah. Do you think think it'd be, go ahead. Well, I was just, I think it would surprise people to know the percentage of people in Holland and Zealand who are actually living Mm -hmm. in poverty. Huge. Mm -hmm. So in Zealand, our number is 52 or 3%. And I think in Holland, it's close to the same. And, you know, really? pe- people look at us and they're like, no, that can't be. But, yes, it absolutely mm-hmm. is. Wow, that's, that's, su- so that's, su- that's a surprisingly high number. Paycheck yes. to paycheck, tons of credit card debt because you don't have enough, so you put it on credit. And mm. then your credit tanks. And it's just this 
Yeah. I see it all the time. Do you think it would be, and, I'm, and I know that everyone's situation, it's going to vary from person to person. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's fair to say that for a lot of people, you know, the, the position that they're in has less to do with, you know, just making poor decisions and their own personal decisions as much as it is just the context in which they were born into? Yes. Is that kind of the idea yes. of generational poverty yes. uh, in a nutshell? Yep. I mean, even, you know, we looked at everything that happened during COVID and there was like these stimulus checks that went out and, you know, unemployment benefits went up significantly. And, you know, we, again, as middle class people would, oh, we're going to put that away in savings or Mm -hmm. we're going to one of the hidden rules in generational um, poverty is you get money, you spend it because Mm -hmm. you don't get money that often. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not a oh, you know, it's just that's what they've seen their whole life and that's what they've been Mm -hmm. brought up in. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's that we have to learn how to suspend judgment. Everybody Mm -hmm. doesn't think like we do. And we try to put ourselves in the shoes of people and understand what they have walked through. And honestly, people that are, have grown up in generational poverty are some of the strongest, most resilient people Mm -hmm. that you will meet. Mm -hmm. They've had to be to survive. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important point to understand. Like, if we want to be ambassadors of Christ and we want to meet with people at the level that they are, mm-hmm. build relationships with people mm-hmm. in some ways, in the same way that, you know, they're, they're going to have to start to learn different ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. I, I almost think that we almost have to start to understand their way of thinking as well in order to have empathy and understand Absolutely. where they are. And I think sometimes we don't maybe make the effort to do that. And it that sort of continues to separate the gap between yeah those different you know levels just because we don't mm-hmm. think about that and don't make an effort to do that intentionally one Absolutely. thing i find is if you when you were growing up if you had parents who encouraged you or ever said great job you can do this you can do whatever you want you want to try that career go for it we're behind you you want to go to college yep we're gonna you might have to work for it but we can help you navigate those waters i get some of these clients come in and they're in their 20s, um, they're single or separated from the boyfriend or whatever, there is no one in their life, even if they have their parents who live nearby, the relationship is not positive. Mm-hmm. There is no one saying to them, you matter. I am so glad you're here today. Thank you for sharing your story with me. Mm-hmm. They cry every time because they don't have that in their life. They don't have someone who encourages <laughs> them, who tells them they're amazing, and that's where building Jesus in, that's my favorite point to be able to say, and it takes time, like Terry said, we need to build that trust. But when I can say God created you in his image and you have something special to offer this world, I know it's in you because you were created in his image. And if you share that with the world, the world's a better place. Mm-hmm. And when we have people who are like, I don't see the point mm-hmm. that we come back, I can come back to that one. God created you and you have unique gifts and abilities. And when they can believe that, hmm. I don't even know what to say. It's it's transforming for them. That doesn't mean that their rent went away or their lights are going to stay on. But that self, if someone can feel worthwhile, hmm. that's it for me. That's so good. I, I kind of want to tie this. If you if you listen to the previous episode, I shared a little bit about like the power of the simple gospel and like how I... I experienced that in Zambia. So for those, if you didn't know this, Terry, I was in Zambia for a couple of weeks uh, recently mm. and we just, we talked, it's, it's a completely different context obviously than this, but we spent a lot of time with people that just had, just had never heard the gospel. And, you know, we saw people responding in pretty amazing ways of just like, like a whole family of 12, 15 people accepting Christ. Mm. And, it wasn't because something was shared that was so, you know, theologically groundbreaking or it wasn't, it was just like just the power of the simple gospel that you were created <laughs> by a father who loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. And like, there are so many people like, it's easy to see that in Zambia maybe, but for some reason we don't see it as much of a need for that here. But I think even like you just said, there's so many people that they just need to know that mm-hmm. and how much of a difference that makes to hear that from mm-hmm. somebody. Right. Um, this is jumping into a story, which I think is supposed to be later. But one of the clients that I've ha- developed a relationship with, when we got to that point, after probably meeting for six months or more, I said, she says, well, I walked away from God because it was what was happening was just so horrible. I left him and I didn't think that I could ever 
come back to him. And I said, well, what do you think now? And she says, now I know I can. Hmm. I said, what changed? She says, you did. You told me that he'll still take me back and he still loves me. And I think that broken peace happens over and over and over. I think people are turned off by the church or by God or their life is so terrible that how can anyone love me? And if we can speak to that, the counter to that, if we can counter that with he does love you, doesn't matter what choices you made, he still loves you mm. and he created you. If we can build that in. And now that takes time. That doesn't happen at every intake. It, in fact, it rarely happens at an intake because they're just meeting us. But, you know, the heart of what we want, that's the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much shame in the lives of the people that's that we meet right with. Word. And they feel like, oh, man, I've done this, this, and this, if you only knew, you know. And they feel like that has disqualified them from being able to be loved by God or even by people. And so when opportunities come to really speak into that shame with truth, um, and it takes time. You know, mm-hmm. those, those shame messages didn't get there overnight. They're not going to go away overnight. Mm-hmm. But as we begin to speak that... Um, you know, that you are loved, that you are accepted, you know, that God had you in mind and a purpose for your life. And they really little by little take that in and begin to just kind of believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's amazing what that can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to hear just, you know, in, in your experience, whether it's been, you know, the last four years for you or a little bit longer, how have you seen God move through this ministry and and some of the lives of these people? I think that some of the you know, we could talk about it a lot. And I think the, for me, the most tangible way to understand is just to hear some of the transformation that you've seen happen. Um, is there any others that would be cool for us to hear about? Yeah, I think, um, one of our life skills coaches, Megan, who's actually been with the ministry longer than either of us. She's got a client that she's been working with probably for a year and a half now. And this young woman um, was rejected by her mom, and so she was bought, brought up through the foster care system. And shortly after that, got into a really bad marriage. Um, and so, you know, like Rebecca said, there was never anybody there saying that you have value, that you have worth, and that, you know, look at what you've done. And so came in incredibly difficult circumstances in her life and just the fact that she was you know still standing and raising her kids and working two jobs and all this stuff that she's been doing is just amazing but yet she can't see that in Mm -hmm. herself Mm -hmm. and so as she has continued to meet with Megan and just have a place to pour this stuff out um, you know and having Megan speak back into her like the transformation that has happened slowly over time in her life has been really cool and a couple weeks ago when they met she had um you know she said to me again I just want to thank you for what you've done for me and all the the um life that you've spoken into me and Megan said no I want to thank you I feel like I have been as changed and as transformed by Mm. this relationship as you have and so again it is like just being a person who is willing to give their time, willing to listen and willing to to sit and reflect back, man, do you realize like what you have done? Like you are amazing. The fact that you have walked through this, that you're continuing to walk through this, the way you care for your children, the way that you, you know, but it's just sometimes we can't see that stuff in ourself. And so when somebody speaks that into your life, it's like, wow, oh, yeah, you know, like, I guess I started here and man, look at where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. So those little changes that happen over time and have somebody noticing that and and pointing that out and celebrating those little victories along Mm -hmm. the way with you can be huge. And Mm -hmm. for this mom, I think it was really big. Mm-hmm. And her story's not over yet. I mean, Mm-mm. her no, still the situation the is not resolved, and it yeah. won't be for a while. Yeah. Um, I it just tickled me pink with one of my clients who is one of these younger moms. Um, I set up a a texting number on a separate number with her, and I was sitting at home watching the kids in the pool, and I get a text from her, and she's like, "I am just so excited! I can't wait to share. Call me." And I thought she has no one else to call. And instead of holding that in, she had somebody to share her joy with, Mm. an exciting thing in her life. And for her, 
That's huge. Yeah. You know, when you have nobody versus you find that you can call somebody. Um, and I've, and you know, we've had those spiritual conversations and she wants to be pouring into her kids. So I've purchased, um, one of the Jesus storybook Bibles. I said, I have the perfect book for you. And the sad part is it's still in my office cause she hasn't come in to pick it up yet, mm-hmm. but I am just like, she wants it. She's like, I, I just need to, I need to find some women who can help me. I'm like, I can get you connected with the women's Bible study or, you know, and those are really, really hard steps for people. Um, because they know they want it, they just don't know how to get it. And that's a piece that we want to be offering and providing, which is why we love partnerships with churches, because then we can plug people in. Mm -hmm. Because you guys have those pieces, but people don't know how to... It's hard. It's hard to walk into a door and not know anyone that you don't have an existing relationship with and say, Mm. hey, can I come to your Bible study? (laughs) You know, that's a hard thing. So Totally. There's a big gap between the people that we're meeting with and people who are walking in the doors on a Sunday morning. And like that shame piece is huge with, oh, you know, I I don't belong there. I'm not good enough. I don't have the right clothes, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So when we can engage the church Mm -hmm. in ways where they are willing to come out of the building and Mm -hmm. actually meet people where they're at in life. And, you know, one of the things that we are always in need of is, you know, we're not going to use the M mentor word because that freaks people out. And it's not really about that. It's about being willing to give a little bit of your time to somebody on a regular basis and to sit with them and to have a cup of coffee and to hear about their life, to hear about their struggles. You know, so many of our people do not have family structures around them, or if they do, like Rebecca said, they're so dysfunctional, they're estranged. Um, they don't have any kind of healthy support systems around them. You know, we have that all over the place. But to have a few people, to have one, to have two people that you can call and say, hey, you know, this just happened. I'm not sure what I should do. Or can you give me your thoughts on this? And it's not even about us having all the answers because no. we certainly don't. Goodness, mm-hmm. no. Um, but we listen well, we pray, and mm-hmm. we say, Holy Spirit, come. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing when he shows up, which he does over and yeah. over and over again. And often, you know, we say to each other, we have things coming out of our mouth that, like, okay, where'd that come from? That totally was just God oh, showing yeah. up in that moment. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of a fallacy that sometimes we trick ourselves into believing that our job is to like get people to church, right? And if I can get this person to church, then like the pastor will like take care of him. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, and the reality is like, first of all, there are certain people that are never going to come to church. You know what I mean? Um, Just based on their life circumstances and and their perception of church and and even the reality of church. Sometimes they're not going to come to church. And so are we content just accumulating the few people that do want to come to church or are we willing to step out and go to the people that, need to know Jesus, but it's not going to be through the way that maybe we're the most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And that's where that's stepping out in faith and just walking. Like, I think the the image of just being in a relationship with a person and being an encourager to someone who has never experienced that, to me, that's such a great example of like being the love of Christ. Cause I mm-hmm. think that's what Jesus would have done. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would be telling people to come to church. Right. I think he'd just be going and living with people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, he and didn't just sit whole... in synagogues. He yeah. preached on mountainsides. He went yeah. to tombs. He went to graveyards. He went to tax collectors houses. He went everywhere. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it was after Sunday's sermon. I was just like, Jesus went all these different places. And so, yeah, doesn't need to be in the building. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing, you know, we are the church, right? Correct. So when we meet somebody, we're actually bringing church to where they're at. And that's really what Jesus said. Go, go. Right. Yeah. And that's um, maybe already almost answered this in a way, but like that's just what we've been walking with as a church the last year and a half. Like it's mostly some some of it even preceding covid but especially through covid just asking a lot of questions about the identity of the church and you know who do we want to be and i think we've just really landed on this vision that has been on our wall for so long but has just felt incomplete in certain ways but like making more and better disciples of jesus like actually putting that into practice what does that look like um i think in so many ways it looks like what you guys are doing um kind of how do you see yourselves as, I I guess, missionaries maybe, and how do you see yourselves as like proponents of the Great Commission and making disciples through just really tangible, you know, 
ways like this and just being with people. Um, do you, do you think about yourselves as that? I do not think of myself yeah. as a missionary. I know you, it's and interesting, I right? And getting commissioned on Sunday, I was like, no, <laughs> but I love people. Mm-hmm. I love talking to people, not up in front of church, big groups of people, but one-on-one small groups. I've always, um, in high school, I worked in a nursing home and, for me, the biggest part was getting to know the residents and hearing their stories and meeting their kids when they came to visit. And I was like, oh, I love people. Yeah. And then being a social worker in foster care, it was getting to know the birth parents and getting to know the foster parents. And like people have always been what I like and stories. My husband's like, how do you know to ask those questions? I'm like, I don't know. I just ask people, so what's on your life? And it just it just comes. And if getting to know people and then trying to remind them that God loves them when the time is right. If that's being a missionary, I can do that. If that's what it looks like for me, I think, I think that I can do. But, you know, putting well, that, a label on me, whoo, yeah. that's pressure. Well, well, we had a, it was a series, I think, that we did not too long ago called Everyday Missionaries, mm-hmm. right? And, like, it's just the difference between we think about a missionary as a full-time professional ministry yeah. missionary who is being supported and they go to another country and they, you know, and like, that's, that's awesome. That's a missionary, of course. And I think God is also calling all of us to be missionaries every day yeah. um, in our jobs and in our communities. And mm-hmm. th- that's kind of, that's the idea of where of like, yes, um, I, I can be a missionary. It's not going to look like maybe my right. idea of what that is, but I can do, I can love people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's basically the heart of a missionary. Yeah. Amen. And that I'm good with, I can do that. That's awesome. There's a quote that I love and it says that being heard is so closely linked to being loved that the two are almost indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. And I think when we provide people a safe place to be able to tell their stories to share what's on their hearts, like that communicates love to people. Like you are valuable enough that I want to sit here and I want to hear about what you've been through. Um, I want to hear about your dreams, where you want to go. And, you know, we often will have the opportunity to, to pray with our clients, which is such a huge blessing. In fact, I, we, you know, always ask, we never force it on people. I've never had anybody say, nope, I'm not interested in that. And nine times out of ten, you know, by the time you're done praying and you look up, you know, there's tears streaming down their face because it's that tangible sense of the Lord and his love that shows up that is just incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. And when we can bring that and give that to people, man, that's what Jesus called Mm -hmm. us to do. And, you know, with us, you know, we tend to work largely with a clientele that feels very overlooked by the rest of the world, that people don't want to give the time of day. They want to kind of look the other direction when they see Mm. them because it feels too big, too much, too messy. And usually it is, but that's okay, you know, because God doesn't call us to fix anybody. He calls us to love people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you see um, the future of Doors of Hope um, what would be like your dreams for the future of Thor's of Hope? How do you see yourselves a part of kind of more the big picture moving forward where you could see it, it moving? What are some of the the things that you would be excited about? Um, things that would be evolving and like the next steps of the ministry? Well, I know Terry's going to talk most about this, but I, there's two things I want to say real Go quick. Um, I'm feeling a stirring to help these develop something. Um, for these single moms, single women, and it doesn't have to just, it can be a separate group for men, but that just have no community. Mm-hmm. You know, when we say, who's, who, who do you, who's in, who's your support? You. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. there was one who walked into this morning um, before he came here and a church had sent her over and I was talking with her and I said, well, who do you have a support? She goes, I got nobody. I'm like, so who, you know, where are you staying tonight? Well here, but I'm a burden, you know, and, I hear that so often. I want part of Doors of Hope in the future to build one of two things, get some church partnerings that we have some women and some young moms who want to start meeting with. And some of my people would be welcome there so that they feel comfortable to build community. Because when you do life together, it's better and easier than when you're doing life by yourself. Mm -hmm. So whether that means 
I mean, years ago they had a group like this, um, but it hasn't been there for the last few years. So we might try to revive it. But I just think an opportunity for these people to build something together so that when something's exciting, they can text a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise they have to wait till I'm back in the office. You know, like it's more organic when it's your friend. Um, And so that's one dream. Um, The other dream I have in terms of connecting with Providence is to find people who are also passionate about people to do that coffee friendship, you know, like this mom who was here this morning with us, four kids and, you know, single mom. She can't pay daycare. Nothing's going to, you know, so can you sit, have some friends, have some kids in your house so mom can go work for, you know, Mm -hmm. just building community so people can do life together instead of doing it all on their own. I don't know how they do it on their own. I I said, you know, she's like, I just don't feel like I'm doing a good enough job. And I'm like, you are doing it. You are stronger than you know. I said, I have four kids and I have a good partner. Like, and you're doing it without any of that. Like, Mm -hmm. so my dream is to develop, help our clients and people that come to us develop community because many of them don't have that. Mm -hmm. That's my dream. Yeah. Because one of the things that we know is that transformation happens through significant relationship, not by us paying this bill or, you know, even giving you a house to live in. It is through relationships. And one of the things that we prayed as a team moving into this year is, you know, we love our church partners and we love the way they support us financially, but we really want to see our our church partners activated into the lives of our clients Mm -hmm. right and how do we do that and so watching that unfold little by little has been really exciting for us but again it's like we're a team of you know seven people and what would happen if you know 10 people from all of our partner churches stepped up and said yeah you know I would love to meet with somebody I would love to you know I'm a young mom I have kids I'd love to meet at the park and just let the kids play together and talk with this mom and encourage her and let her know she's not alone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, seeing that happen in very easy, very practical, very tangible ways, I mean, that's a, a big dream of ours. Another is that we all know that we have a housing crisis, an affordable housing crisis in Holland and Zealand that's not going away. And so, you know, Hope House is a great start to that. That's our, you know, project that we're working on now, but that's one home, one family. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking to really expand that. And we've we've talked about um, going into some of these trailer parks where there's these trailers that need teams to come in and refurbish them. And so what if, you know, for example, Providence Church said, yeah, we'll, we'll take that on. You know, we'll, we'll send a team in to get that house ready for a family to move in. And as a family moves in and we as Doors of Hope continue to work with them, doing life coaching, doing budgeting, just that listening piece. But then the church comes around them and wraps around in those very practical ways and builds relationships. And then at the end of a certain period, hey, guess what? You know, you're motivated and you guys are sustainable. Here's your new home to live in. And that's Mm -hmm. a model that we could replicate all over Holland, Mm. all over Zealand with the number of church partners that we have and some, you know, funding that might be available grant-wise or whatever through the community. Mm -hmm. And so it's meeting that practical need of housing, but it's also meeting that need of building a support system around Mm -hmm. this family that in the long run, that's what's going to help them move forward. That's what's going to help them transform and break the cycle of that generational poverty that's being passed down from parents to Mm -hmm. children. And it just takes one generation where that breaks to like set the generations free that come behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, to, to t- take it back to to us as a community, as a mm-hmm. church, and, and even anyone that's listening that is from any, you know, walk of life or any t- congregation or maybe not even a part of a church, um, mm-hmm. like, how can we be involved in it? Like, um, obviously, some of those practical examples that you just shared. Um, on Sunday, you guys gave us a couple of really awesome ways. So, um, you know, Providence Church is partnering with you guys for, it's a few different Thursdays, mm-hmm. right, coming up that we can help and restore mm-hmm. the Hope House. Yep. And there's some real practical ways that we can just show up and yep. help serve, right? Um, I think we can celebrate the fact that we had an Amazon list of things that we want to get mm-hmm. for the family, and it's already done, right? It's <laughs> done. Way to go, Providence. So, yeah. 
that's three days. This is three, three days, days after in. the fact. So yeah. that's I, and I knew that. When as soon as I I heard about these ways that we can help out, in the back of my head, the first thought that came to my mind is like, you know what? This has providence written all over it, mm-hmm. yeah. because when every time we, I see a need that's presented, um, people are so quick and willing to step up and mm-hmm. do it. Um, so if somebody wasn't connected with one of those two things um, at this point, or or, or not like where can we go who can we talk to how can we get involved if we're looking to do that yep so you know I think that was to me one of the coolest things about Sunday was that it wasn't just oh you know I'm going to sign up and be a part of this team or oh I'm going to go home and check out that list um, there were other people that just came up and said hey you know we're we have a connection to this business. Could we help with this? Or, you know, a lady came up to me who was involved with Atlas way back in the day before I came around and was a part of the mentoring program that they had then. And I talked to her about this group that we wanted to form to connect these ladies. And I said, you know, would you be willing just to show up and to be a part of that group? And she's like, oh, I would absolutely love to. So even like for people that like the one-on-one thing, you know, I'm not that great of a conversationalist or I don't know what to ask, but who would be willing to come and be a part of a group like that just to be a a presence um, for these women could be huge. But the, the opportunities, I mean, that's the thing that I find is that people want to give, they just really don't know how. And so, you know, with these tangible projects that we've got going on right now, that's awesome. Once that house is all ready and the family comes in, and that's going to be the time when there's going to be needs like, man, you know, the house, there's been sick kids there all week and the mom's pulling her hair out. And, you know, maybe a couple women could get together and put a meal together and just come out and drop it off and say, hey, you know, can we pray for you or just those kinds of ongoing things? Like I think it's what happens after the family gets in there. That's really going to be the important Mm -hmm. piece. Mm -hmm. Um, The father too, uh, you know, he's got this um, dream to be in landscaping at some point. Mm -hmm. So he has said, you know, when the group comes out and works on the yard, I'd love to come. Mm -hmm. What an amazing opportunity Mm -hmm. to just build a friendship Mm -hmm. with this young man. Side by side. Yeah. Just, you Mm -hmm. know, Amazing things happen when you're just working alongside. You know, you're sweating it's together. Beautiful. You're just asking questions. You're being curious. You're, you know, so it's it's those kinds of really practical things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I'd love, I don't know like what the church has in terms of ways that things are communicated, but if we could have a little Doors of Hope corner or whatever where we could just put out, hey, you know, this is what we're needing this week or, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a way to communicate that on a regular yeah. basis is, would be huge yeah. because the needs are different every week. Right. I, I think too, um, the really easy piece, like I said, I'm just passionate about meeting people. So that's, it's easy for me when they come to sit down with them. But if you're a business owner mm-hmm. and you, your heart is stirred and you're willing to give some of the people we work with an opportunity or a chance, and that might be their 18th chance for employment, Yeah, taking them under mm. your wing and saying, yep, and they may, there's going to be some bumps in the road, but if you're willing as an employer to give someone the chance for employment, that would be awesome. And that's serving in your current field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, you, um, if you're a business or an accountant and you're really good with numbers, we we do a lot of volunteer budget counseling and I could keep a checkbook balance, but I'm not trained in accounting. If you know how to deal with really bad credit or you know how to, you know, navigate huge medical bills. And, you know, these are things people come to us for that we can, we can help somewhat, but we are not the gurus. If that's what you do and you can volunteer a little bit of your time or you let me know and we can call you for advice. That's a way you could serve right in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If you, um, like I said, I've already kind of hit on a f- if you're a mom with young kids and you're willing to meet at the park to give someone yeah. respite or, you know, it's some of those super practical things that you don't have to change what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, it, sh- it can fit with who you are in your exactly. personality, where you are in your stage of life. There, Everybody has, like, a, a role and a, and a part that they can play. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's what Toby was talking about, serving where you are. And if you are a business owner, if you're a landlord, I would love to talk to you (laughs) because we need some places to put some people, Um, you know, but it's just all those things. Like there could be so many ways to partner. Um, If what you're passionate about, there's probably a way we can partner you with Mm. somebody and don't be scared that the ask would be too huge because it might, we may not 
need that particular thing for a couple months. We don't know who's going to walk in our door. Yeah. So those could be really simple ways of yeah. connecting. And mm-hmm. Rebecca, obviously you're a part of our congregation. Um, Natalie Vendry is part of our congregation. Yep. Those would be really easy connection points yep. to talk to. My and email and my phone is right in the directory. Yep. So, But we could easy, um, I don't know, have a way here that you yeah. guys could set something up that you can click on the Sunday shout out or something that says. Hey, here's some needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd you be know, good. So I would say if you are stirred and you think you might be able to, just talk to me. Again, I love people and I like to talk to people. So I would love to have a conversation and see once if there's something that mm-hmm. we can connect you with or I'll file it away and we'll connect you when the time mm-hmm. comes because sometimes it's not immediate. That's so good. Anything else um, that you guys would want to share just about what's happening, um, ways we can be involved? Um, anything else before we before we head off? You know, I think one of the things is that when we respond to the poor, to the marginalized, we see the Holy Spirit show up in a way that we never do in church on a Sunday morning. You know, I I shared that I was a pastor for 10, 12 years before I started working with this ministry, and I have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit doing what we do in very different ways because... um, these are the ones that God holds very close and very dear to his heart. Yes, he loves all of us, but yet there's the the ones, the widow, the orphan, the overlooked, mm-hmm. where God has called us and charged us as the church Amen. to really reach out and to be present. And so I think the opportunities that we miss because we're just not willing to look up out of our own lives and mm-hmm. just notice and be available and say, here I am, Lord, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for letting us be on the podcast, because Mm -hmm, if Providence listens to this, then you know what we do. Otherwise, if you don't know what's available, you don't know how you can get involved, and this helps us. Yeah. So thanks. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's been a pleasure, and I think um, it's just moving, I think. Is there, like you said, it's, it's a beautiful example, I think, of the heart of Christ, what mm-hmm. is happening through this ministry, because I was going to bring that up. There is an emphasis in Scripture that God's heart is for these people. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, you know, sometimes it's, it's conscious or unconscious. We, we don't always take that to our own hearts. And um, we maybe, maybe it's, it's certain biases that we have and it's certain experiences that we've had where um, we become really sometimes jaded, you know, and mm-hmm. we become unable and unwilling to really see people where they are and to love people where they are. Um, and I think we have to do better at that as, yeah. as the church and as the body of Christ. And, um, maybe for me, yeah, it's a really tangible way of like, I am going to paint this house for, for something. So they have a place to live, you know? And, and I think the opportunity to go out and do landscaping with somebody that just needs to be shown love and just working with somebody and, just being present with somebody, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's easier maybe than, than we think, you mm-hmm. know, but we just have to be willing to make those steps and, mm-hmm. and to enter into that. So, and coffee is, you know, so we have some people who are in their twenties and we would love to connect them, but I've had a couple gentlemen who are late fifties, early sixties, and they just need someone to speak into them from a male perspective. Yeah. So if you are Providence, if you're male and you want to, <laughs> develop a new relationship and just encourage someone, I can connect you with a couple people quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, nothing I was thinking of too, sorry, I keep going on, but I'm like, oh, if you're a therapist or counseling, that is a huge need for most of the people mm. that we have. And the wait lists are long when it comes to free or reduced cost, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. just countless ways um, of getting people connected mm-hmm. with what they need. And um, if you have a passion for anything, we can probably use your Mm -hmm. gifts that God has given you (laughs) to bless the world. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, thank you both very much. Um, Terry, would you close us out in prayer? Absolutely. Cool. Oh, God, we just thank you for this time that we've had to be together, to just have a conversation, God, around your heart and what you're doing in our community and ways that we have to serve. 
Lord, I, I pray your blessing on Providence Church. Lord, I was just overwhelmed on Sunday by just the outpouring of people's excitement and desire to step in and get involved. And Lord, I pray that this would be just the beginning, God, of how you are going to move this church and this congregation, Lord, out into the community, Lord, to be the church, um, to just spend time listening and loving. And God, we just thank you and praise you for the, the great love that you have for us. God, we pray, Lord, that we could be vessels, Lord, that you could just pour your love through. God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that notice, Lord, what you're doing. And we thank you, Lord, for the great honor of advancing your kingdom here with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, thank you both. Um, again, I just want to say, if you are someone who's maybe just feels that nudging of the spirit that, hey, I have something that I can give, which is all of us, um, just don't uh, don't hesitate in that. I think sometimes we overthink it and we outsmart ourselves. And it's like, you know, if, you know what? If I have something to give and God can use me to serve in this way, let's do it. Um, so again, talk to Rebecca, talk to Natalie if you see her. You can probably talk to Toby. That'd be an easy way just to get plugged in and connected. Um, you can go to probably is there a Doors of Hope website or mm -hmm. yep. yeah. So yep. you'll find a way to get connected. Um, and I just encourage all of us to to serve in that way. So. And like us on Facebook, and if you do Perfect. that too, you can like follow this journey that we're on. So we'll yeah. have pictures updates. and stories and updates, and that's a great way to stay connected with the ministry testimonies, what's happening too. Sure. So. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah. Everyone have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thanks.